Welcome to The Breakdown. I'm your host, Isaac Mateus. I'm here with Stephen and Johnny. In our show, The Breakdown, we seek to equip students and parents with a biblical framework, practical wisdom, and resources so they would further their relationship with Jesus Christ and further the mission of God. Guys, let's get started with the show. Man, you gotta love the music. John gets me in the in the right state of mind for the breakdown every single time. Johnny, Steven, how are we doing? Man, I'm doing well. Every time I hear that theme song, I picture like this big lumbering animal that's just kind of like walking along. It's a, uh, I don't know, it's kind of weird. A big lumbering, it's not a giraffe <laughs> animal. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like a giraffe, you know, since that's a title. Oh, okay, sure, sure, okay. A big, okay, interesting, interesting. Okay. I, I kind of perspective. I kind of just imagine myself just walking around, like, just grooving to the beat, like, keeping it 100, like, just, just loving it, uh, just living life to the fullest, man. So when I hear that, I'm like, man, I just, I'm ready, man. I'm just ready to go. So, like. You're ready to live that life. Yeah, ready kind of, to live that kind of life. You know, I'm just ready. Guys. I'm feeling good right now, okay? And let me tell you why. I'm feeling real good, okay? We announced the breakdown was going to be coming out on Thursday. And we are, in fact, batting 100%. Because we have now posted that to the website. Like, we have come through. We didn't just, like, announce the breakdown as being a thing that exists and then just forgetting about it. So, like, I'm feeling pretty good. Can I stop you right now? Do you even know baseball? You said we're batting 100% or 100. Yeah, isn't that right? Average is 100. Uh, In baseball, that means that you would be sent probably back to less than the minor leagues because you would be terrible. Or you're a pitcher, one of the two. Well, yeah, like pitchers that don't bat, bat 100. Uh, It's batting 1,000, Isaac, would be the, the, the phrase you'd want to use there. Because a thousand is a thousand percent, and you are batting a thousand percent, hitting all the time, never getting out. Batting a hundred means you're basically always getting out, and you're you really are terrible. To be I'm fair, you this I feel like if I hit a hundred percent, I feel like that means I've never missed. Yeah, but you you're batting a hundred, is what you said, something like that. <clears throat> I don't know. Whatever it was. You said earlier you were batting 100 like Listen, that was an average. And I'm this, just, is I'm why, this is why I watch basketball because there's no it – it's a, it's a range of 0 to 100%. So if this guy shot 55% from the field, it means he hit a little over half of the shots he shot. I don't know what you're talking about, the batting over 1,000. It's not even – what does that even mean? It's fine. When it comes to baseball – uh, I'm basically a legend, okay? Like, so, uh, okay. not that we're intended to be story time today, but uh, I did get four people out in one play when I was playing T-ball, so I basically know everything there is to know about baseball. Now. Okay, you're a T-ball legend. T-ball yeah. legend. Here's a fun fact about Steven. He was uh, featured on SportsCenter. As a T-ball legend. As a T-baller, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I – I don't think it was Sports Center, but yeah, sure. Yeah. Basically, I uh, made history at least once. Okay. Wow. T baller. Yeah. I like that. Wow. And one play. T baller. You can't do that in the major leagues, man. They'll stop you. Like, once you get to three people, it's like, man, you're done. But T ball, 
it didn't matter how many people you got out. So I got everybody out. <laughs> Just T-ball, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the bases were loaded, Isaac, and I got all three of those people out and the guy that was hitting. So I got all four people out. Isaac, that's almost impossible. That's amazing. Under wow. normal rules, it actually is impossible. But I did not know this about you, Stephen. I have been really the rules, and I have done the impossible. I really did not know this about you, and I'm glad that this is something that I've learned, and that we've. I think everybody has grown from this experience. Probably, probably. All right. So, um, listen. I'm not gonna let you jack up my vibe. All right. You're welcome. I'm in a good mood. I'm feeling still good about the breakdown. Hopefully, people have enjoyed it. Today, on the agenda, we're answering three questions. They sort of fall under the umbrella or category of discipleship. So these were three questions that we felt like were related in some way because of the fact that they're sort of tied to and you're discipled or being discipled. They're kind of questions about, man, like, can I do this? Can I not do this? What is this thing for? You know, sort of things like that. So on the agenda for today, we've got how to deal with a false convert. Uh, is listening to explicit songs bad? And how does baptism help me with like my walk with the Lord? Uh, so these are three questions that we're going to answer. Um, let's just tackle, I guess let's just tackle, let's just tackle the false convert really quick. Well, not really quick, but let's just tackle that as the first one that we're going to go to. So, Stephen, Johnny, how do you, like, what, when you're thinking about, like, somebody who places their faith in Jesus or says they do, and it seems like they're not, they're not really saved, they're not genuinely saved, it was maybe a false convert, how do you deal with that? What are some things you do yeah, that, that's tough because, man, uh, I mean, the scripture gives you plenty of grounds for evaluating somebody's life, but like, uh, I mean, we said this on the last episode, you know, like sometimes people have bad days and sometimes people do wrong things, but their, their overall trajectory is, is right. And they're, they're heading towards more godliness. Um, there certainly has been times in my life where if you evaluated me, you would say, man, they look like a false convert because they're not doing what's right. But the trajectory has been, and I've, I've been heading towards godliness and pursuing Jesus. Um, but it's hard to know. Like, I mean, I've, I can think of so many folks that I've had conversations with that I walk away going, man, there's no way they're saved. But yeah, they're claiming they are. And it's so hard. The the beauty of this, of the the Bible is that at the it when it's all said and done with, it's not my job to know for sure who's saved and who's not saved. Um, my job and my role is to try to help people be saved and be godly and make disciples. And uh, but I, you know the scripture is very clear: you shall know somebody by their fruit. Uh, you shall be able to see and observe their actions and their heart um, and their, their motives even, uh, those things are not always obvious, but you can often ask questions to kind of get at what the heart and the motive is on something. But when we're just dealing with folks who say, man, I'm a believer, and yet they don't do anything a believer does, it's one, it's safe to assume, I think, that they're not a believer and to, to then treat them with, 
the gospel. So the gospel comes back to kind of being the root and the grounds for all of Christian growth, uh, the starting point where a believer never gets tired of hearing the gospel. Uh, like for me, when I hear the gospel, I'm, like, I'm not like, man, why are you telling me this stuff? Like quit telling me about Jesus. No, I'm like, man, this is so awesome. Every time I hear it, I, I draw closer to him and I become more and more grateful for what he has done for me and who he is. And, um, but for somebody who's often a false convert, they feel like you're judging them because you're sharing the gospel with them. Um, and that typically goes to show where the heart's at. Um, but dealing with false converts is hard because trying to convince somebody who thinks they're saved that they're lost can be very difficult, but sometimes it's so effective and sometimes it's super helpful for somebody to be able to come to a point in time where they're going, yeah, maybe I'm really not saved. And that's, that's difficult. And I don't think there's any one way that you have to do that or to do, to do that. I think that you must continue to point out scripture. So the scripture is very clear, you know, you shall know them by their fruit. Um, the uh, a bad tree does not produce good fruit and a good tree does not produce bad fruit. Um, and so looking at the product of somebody's life, you know, dealing with students, we deal with this all the time. Uh, I, you know, I could name countless amount of students who just, I've sat before me and I've been able to say, I mean, what does your life look like? Let's look at the deeds of the flesh, you know, in Colossians 3 or Galatians 5 or Ephesians 4 and 5. And uh, let's look at the parable of the, of the tree that's producing its fruit and, let's examine like what is the actual fruit of your life and going through that list and trying to say, you know, Hey, I am marked by anger. I am marked by malice. I am marked by impurity or, or fornication or some type of, uh, you know, sin. And I am marked by all these things, but I'm not marked by anything that's godly that's listed thereafter. Um, sometimes that's super helpful. So thinking through those things and kind of providing somebody with some, some Bible verses, some biblical context to say, and evaluate yourself and see where you're at. Um, because the scripture is also clear. Like, I mean, you can't serve two masters. You can't uh, disobey the commandments of the Lord and yet have Christ abide in you uh, if you're not abiding in him and obeying his commandments. And so, yeah, it, it's difficult because you, you don't really ever know through and through whether somebody's really actually saved or not. And there's been, you know, many times where I've been deceived, I think somebody is saved and then they walk away from that and they deny it all. And you go, well, man, how did I miss it? You know, and reality is people are deceptive. And so, but starting with the gospel, it's never the I mean, it's always the right thing. It's never the wrong thing to come back to the gospel and come back to the word and evaluating somebody. Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of going off of what Steven said, uh, I've got several fruit trees in my backyard and uh, one of them happens to be an apple tree. Another one happens to be a peach tree. And I know every year my peach tree is going to give me peaches because it is a peach tree. I know every year that my apple tree is going to give me apples because it is an apple tree. Um, there are some years in which my apple tree gives me only a few apples because of a disease or insect attacking or the deer even coming out of the woods in, in the back of my property to, to eat the apples. Um, but the amount of apples I get from that tree depends on the, how much I'm nurturing that tree. Uh, the amount of peaches I get from my peach tree depends on how much I'm nurturing that tree as well. So um, we're always going to bear fruit that shows who we are. The amount of fruit that we bear depends on how much we're nurturing it, right? And so, um, you know, I often think of, of a scripture like 
um, Ephesians 4.32 that says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. So those types of things should be characteristic of our life. Those should be some of the fruit that we show because of Christ working within us, right? Our life shouldn't be characterized uh, by bitterness, wrath, or anger, or slander. Um, these things should not be so in the Christian life because the Christian life is supposed to be characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? The fruits of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. So um, if you are uh, around somebody and they claim to be Christ, but there's no evidence in their life, they're not showing fruit of a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ, um, at the very least, uh, they probably need um, some better discipleship. Um, but it could be possible that it's because they've not placed their faith in Jesus Christ. So my challenge to somebody like that uh, would be to ask them to, assuming that you have a good enough relationship with them, um, ask them to evaluate themselves, right? Share some things that you've seen um, in their life as a loving brother or sister in Christ um, and challenge them in, to respond in those things um, and challenge them to surrender those areas over to Christ and look more like him. Yeah, I think uh, just just tacking something on, I think that's uh, implicit to what you and Stephen are saying is kind of just, you have to have a relationship with somebody before you can um, go to them and, and with, with the intention of, I think this person doesn't love Jesus. Um, you want to be careful that you're not looking at people, looking at people that you don't know, that you don't really have good relationship with, that you don't see regularly and just be like, yeah, I don't think that person's safe. And, and that's just, just unwise. Uh, so well, the next, I'd like to add something onto that. I think you know, a helpful thing to think through is just the, somebody's conversion story. So when somebody says they're saved, I think it's always helpful to ask them about that. Um, and, and even point out, you know, not, you're not like necessarily looking for all the flaws in somebody's, you know, story, um, because we'll all say stuff that may sound, you know, at some point in time wrong or something like that. But, you know, the, and Jesus says, um, like you, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Uh, there's a cost there that means, I mean, I've got to lay down myself. Uh, and then Romans says, you know, like if you confess him as Lord, this is a complete denial of oneself and a complete acceptance of his authority over your life. Uh, like in order to like to participate in those things in order to get saved, you must deny yourself. You must make Jesus your Lord, like place him as Lord of your life and, and put your faith and trust in him. But for many times, like we, for many people, they hear the gospel and they, they understand, man, I'm broken. I'm messed up. I really need a savior. And then the invitation is given and it's, man, say these words and you're good. Uh, and in many, many times we have folks that just have some type of religious experience. They feel guilty about their sin or something. They say the, the magic words with air quotes, you know, for salvation. And then they walk away from that going, man, I, okay, I've, I've been saved. And we as the church have, have almost unintentionally, but sometimes even deceived folks, like, man, you're saved. You're good to go. Like, uh, and, and there's really actually no no real actual denial of self and no you know um placing jesus as lord uh, you know confessing him as lord of their life and so um 
there's no submission. And some of that comes like greater submission comes with the, you know, greater discipleship and things of that nature. We grow in that. But so many times we have folks that just have some type of religious experience. Um, and uh, we've made it really easy to follow Jesus in America. And so we've made the gospel presentation, some, some nice little, you know, tag along on the end of a sermon where everybody can just get it. All you need to do is raise your hand, bow your head, close your eyes, repeat whatever they say. And now you're in heaven, you know, you're going to be in heaven for eternity. And so, you know, every kid that, that, you know, the, the, it walks walks out of a service going, man, I felt really bad. I just did whatever the preacher said. And then he said, come down to the front. And I come down to the front and he tells the church I'm saved. And, you know, they, that's what they, they're basing their salvation on sometimes. Now, it's not everybody, but I think we have a, a problem in which a lot of folks base their salvation on some type of experience that was religious in nature or emotional in nature, um, and, and, you know, some type of spiritual experience that, may not have actually been salvific. And so, uh, you know, always going back to the gospel, always asking somebody about their salvation and always making sure somebody actually does understand what salvation is, is a very helpful place to start. Um, and if they're saved, man, you know, they don't, they're not going to have a problem with telling you their testimony. Or they shouldn't because it's, you know, about how Jesus changed them and saved them. And they should be excited to tell you their testimony. That's good. That's good. Um, moving on to the next question. Uh, is listening to explicit songs bad? It's a kind of a nebulous question, but it's fine. It's certainly not good. Yeah, and I'm wondering what the heart is behind this, right? Is is this question like, how close can I get to the line and still be considered a godly person? Or uh, the better question to be asking is, what is the most godly thing I can do in my life right now? Um, you know, when we... Uh, follow after Jesus Christ, there's things of this world that we are to uh, lay at the altar, um, so to speak, so that we can follow after him. Um, you know, there's worldly pursuits and then there's godly pursuits, right? So when, when I'm following after Jesus, sometimes I have to allow these worldly things to uh, fade away uh, for, the, for the glory of, of chasing after Jesus Christ. And Paul, even in Philippians, you know, talks about his former life and um, all these accomplishments that he had and that he counts following after those things as trash because of now following after Jesus Christ. So um, in asking that question, right, what, what are you desiring to pursue? Are you desiring to pursue worldly things or are you desiring to pursue godliness, right? So uh, listening to explicit songs, man, it's not good, <laughs> right? So maybe that's something that needs to be given up in order to uh, be able to better follow after and serve Christ. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. Oh, okay. Um, I was just going to say, like in Ephesians 4, you have this, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Um, and we know, man, that what we, what we take in comes out. Um, and it may not always, but at some point it's going to come out, whether it comes out verbally, whether it comes out in your, in your head and you start thinking those things to subject yourself to poor intake continuously uh, is going to produce, you know, the, a poor output. And so uh, the more we dump in, that's bad, the more we're going to produce what's bad. And so it's certainly not wise to listen to explicit songs um, and bad music. Um, I think, 
the, the motivation is, is probably, yeah, I'm wondering, like, like Pastor Johnny said, I mean, is it how close can I get to, to doing what's wrong without crossing the line? Uh, and that, that is a poor way of thinking. Um, I would assume that uh, the desire would be, man, how can I put off all these things in order to be more like Jesus? Like that would be a much better desire. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I kind of have um, just a very real perspective on this because when I got, when I, I got saved at an early age, but when I got into high school, I started kind of like, just trying to like fit in. I had a, a next door neighbor of mine, like my best friend at the time. And I started kind of hanging out with like just a bunch of dudes that would smoke a lot of weed and they would listen to, you know, Drake, J. Cole, um, you know, guys like that. And, uh, you know, so when I, when I realized, okay, like I want to, I want to take my faith very seriously. I want to like live for the Lord Jesus. I, I want to um, lay down my life for the cause of Christ. I, I, I said, you know what? I can't listen to this stuff anymore. And that was, that was hard. There were times where I was like, man, it, it'll be okay. I can still listen to this stuff and still love Jesus. And but what I found was that um, as I listened to that kind of music, as I listened to music that was um, not only just saying explicit language, but was very explicit in nature. So like what it was not just, Hey man, I'm saying bad words or cuss words. Right. It's not like that. It's like, man, I'm, I'm in condoning terrible and horrible things. I'm, I'm objectifying women. I'm, I'm kind of uh, talking about how awesome it is to, you know, have a great time partying and just doing all that stuff. And like, yeah, it's I not bad, for, it's bad lyrics. Yeah. 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 So I found for me that it was actually a hindrance more than a help. So I would find myself being drawn to listen to that kind of music again. And when I would listen to it, it would actually, it would diminish my love for the Lord. Like, and I, I say that kind of, um, it would, it would make me, it would seriously drain my, my love. It would, it really would. Um, and so I, I had to really decide like, man, I have to, I have to give this up because this isn't helping my relationship with Christ. This is actually just hurting it. This is just not a good thing. So, um, so yeah, I would just recommend not only just it's bad and, and, and you shouldn't do it, but I would say, man, for your relationship with Christ, I think it's more beneficial. Uh, and I think if you spend time away from it and you start uh, really diving into your relationship with Christ and getting deeper in that, you're going to find that that music is just going to be, it's just not going to be good for you. So, yeah. I mean, I think of a passage like Philippians four, you know, eight and following, you know, whatever is true and whatever is honorable, whatever is right and pure, whatever is lovely and good repute uh, and anything that's excellent, worthy of praise, like dwell on these things that, uh, you know, most of the music that we listen to that's secular it doesn't qualify for any of those things, right? It's not worthy of praise. It's not excellent. Uh, it's probably not honorable. It's not pure. That doesn't mean that there's none that's out there, but most of what's on the radio is certainly in pop culture uh, is not revolving around those things. It's, it's, it's not excellent or worthy of praise. Yeah. So uh, going on with, so like, <laughs> Uh, let's move to baptism, the question about baptism. So um, 
how does baptism help me uh, with the walk, uh, help with the walk with God, and how does it relate to salvation? So just yeah, so baptism is kind of like that first uh, public step um, in your salvation, right? It's one of your first public steps of obedience. And uh, whenever I'm counseling a middle school student that is considering baptism, um, pointing to Romans chapter six, I always uh, encourage them that when they are going and being baptized in front of the church, they're declaring to the church that they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And in so doing, they're giving the church permission um, when they're looking at their life that if they see something that doesn't look like Jesus, um, they're giving the church permission to call them out on that. So it helps in that it opens us up to accountability, right? And uh, when we're held accountable and we're uh, lovingly corrected, it should help us grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So um, baptism is important because um, it, it connects us with other believers that can then um, help point us uh, to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's important to know that you know, baptism does not save you, uh, and so it's not necessary for salvation. It is something that we are commanded to do, um, and it is something that we are instructed, and uh, as the church, we gather around and celebrate this, and we do this because Jesus tells us to do this. Um, but it, it helps in our walk with the Lord because we are being obedient, and so it's a it's a step of faith. It's a step of obedience in which every believer should desire to do this. Um, it's not something you do before you're a believer. Um, the scripture's clear on believers baptism. Uh, and you know, it's not, it's not something you just do to do. Uh, it's something you do to show, uh, you know, it's an outward expression or outward demonstration of an inward transformation. It's when I tell the world, man, I'm follow, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm partaking in his, death, burial, and resurrection, the old me is dying, and the new me is being raised to walk a new life um, from Romans chapter 6. And so um, it's a beautiful picture, but it, it, right, it does not save us, but it does kind of start our journey. It's, it's kind of the first step after salvation to say, yes, I will be obedient. And Jesus, if you say I'm to be baptized, then by all means, let me be baptized. Like I will be obedient in that. So yeah, no, I think that's good. Um, yeah, baptism is all about identification, identifying with Christ um, in his death and in, and will be in his resurrection as well um, yeah. and, and from Romans 6. So that was good. Uh, thank you guys for sitting down with me. Thank you for answering these questions. Um, as always, guys, If uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, you can send your questions into Richland Creek uh, or at breakdown at richlandcreek.com. The breakdown richlandcreek.com. Good we're Lord. We're learning. We're learning. Bre- the breakdown at richlandcreek.com. You can send your questions in there and uh, we will look to answer them. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. We will uh, catch you next week.